this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. Outdoors in partnership with Warriors Quest is brought to you by Martin Archery, the number one archery company. Martin Archery combines leading edge modern technology with innovative design to give serious bow hunters and target archers what they demand. Axis Camera Arms for a camera arm that offers a smooth, full range of motion without restriction, lightweight, easy to pack, the name speaks for itself the Axis Revolution. Conquest Sense for more than 15 years, Conquest Sense has been selling premium hunting sense to hunters around the country. Bojax Inc., the best designed archery dampening system. Simmons Optics, everything you need, nothing you don't. Ozonics, undetectable, undeniable. Dry shod waterproof footwear, the most wearable rubber boot. Veteran innovative products, VIP broadheads. The first and only scalpel sharp broadhead with dual spring variable cutting width suspension for superior penetration. Elevated safety systems. Rancho Rio Lindo in Uvalde, Texas. Piney Woods Hunting Lodge in Eufaula, Alabama. All right, so we're back this week, and we are another part of the outdoorsman of a bygone era series. And this week, we are excited to be joined by the infamous fishing guide, Captain Richard Seward. Uh, Captain Seward, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, I'm, uh, I'll be 81 in uh, January. I'm still uh, chartering. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm the co- oldest uh, captain on Tampa Bay right now. I'd say that's probably pretty safe to assume. <laughs> And uh, the the closest I can remember of when I started fishing was in, uh, I can remember a trip in 1949 with my brother. And what made it so uh, memorable to me, we were wade fishing uh, up in the upper Tampa Bay. And the water was up to his waist. And was up to my shoulders, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know how many trout we caught, but we caught a bunch of trout that day. And uh, it was a—it's uh, a day I'll never forget. That, that's about the only, that's about the earliest I can remember. I think it was nine years old, so in 1949. That was quite a time ago. I'm sure Tampa Bay looked a whole lot different then than it does now. I tell you, it was really, it was, uh, it wasn't as clean then as it is now. Really? But, uh, really? But, but the bay has changed uh, quite a bit, or I'd say quite a bit. The north end of the bay hasn't changed at all. It, it's just about, just about the same as it's always been. Huh. Except okay. Except for water quality. I see. Um. 
<clears throat> what what led you to want to start being being a guide to begin with? Well, I fished all the years, and I, I've <laughs> I get I've quit counting on how many people I used to take out. I yeah. Mean, if, if, if most of my friends, we went out together all the time, but my son wanted to uh, become a guide, and he come to me, of course, <laughs> and. Uh, I, th- I think it was more he wanted me to pay for it. <laughs> so I, I called the captain of school and I asked him about the, you know the price and everything. And he says, "Well, listen, I've got we've got a, a two for one going on right now." Well, actually, it was uh, I think six hundred dollars for one, and you could the second person could come with a total of a thousand dollars for two of you. I said, "Okay, sign me up too." <laughs> And that's how I become a guide. <laughs> okay. And what year was that? Let's see. It was 15 years ago. So that'd be good gravy. Well, 15 20, years. 2005. Yeah. About 20, 2004, 2005. Okay. So what what have you done for a, a living outside of, of being a fishing guide all these years? Well, uh, I had a job at General Cable, and that's where I really got to fish because I worked a, I always worked a 3 to 11. I worked there for eight and a half years working 3 to 11, and I had a friend, and we went every day that we could, you know, and uh, the main thing was trying to get back on time. <laughs> we had a boss, though, and the first thing he'd, he'd ask you, he said, okay, what's your excuse today? And then he would say, forget the excuse, did you bring my fish? <laughs> <laughs> so what is your favorite fish to catch? What's my favorite fish? Trout. And uh, it always has been. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I've caught all the rest of them, but just trout fishing. And I, and I would say... 90% of all the fish that I've ever caught, in fact, probably more than that, no, I'd say 90%, have all been caught on a mirror lure. Hmm. And I used to I used to commercial fish. And, well, I commercial fish that. I just, when I went fishing and I caught extra, I, I just sold them to the markets. I had a fishing, I had a license. And the, back then you could get a license, I think it was $2.00. And uh, you you could have, I think, four licenses on that. So me and the, me and my partner we fish together all the time. I let him use one, and I use the other one. But uh, we we've had some days that just uh, it, the stories are hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> well, let tell tell me one of those hard to believe stories. Those, those are the ones that. That excite me the most because I've heard yeah. stories from years ago well, that just blow Tim my and I mind. Got out one day, and uh, he was as good a fisherman as I was. I mean, we 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 just we used to take turns on who caught the most. But one day, I said, "I'm going to beat you today," and uh, I fished, landed, and put in the boat. 127 trout all caught on artificial mirror lures, (laughs) silver mirror lure. 
I just couldn't really understand. He paid for two more fish just so he could say he beat me. I had 127 trout, and he had 129 trout. Now that's not, and that's not counting the ones that got away, and the other fish we caught. So we caught a couple of snook in there too. Beside that, but we were just counting the trout. You know, the snook were just a byproduct then. Yeah, I can I can only imagine you you had to. I, at 129 trout in a day, you had to have less casts that didn't bring in a fish than casts that did. <laughs> that's that's almost like it every was, cast. I'll tell you what, it's tiring. And now, you know, it, and what uh, what the difference was, I was still using a, a casting reel. I hadn't changed over to a spinning reel yet. Hmm. Uh, most all of them was with a uh, a Fluger Supreme. Hmm. Uh, really, the the spinning reels didn't come out all good gravy. Well, they they one come out, but it was a awkward looking thing. I think the first one that the first uh, spinning reel that I went to was a uh, Mitchell three hundred. I don't believe I've ever heard of that brand. I don't know that I have either. <laughs> that was the first. That was the first spinning reel that it come out with, and I worked at I worked at Sears part time almost all my life. I went to work at Sears when I was sixteen years old in the sporting goods department, and uh, I could buy all my tackle and everything, you know, with with a discount. A discount. <laughs> but they got a, a whole shipment of those things. They must have been. They must have got a, a better than 5,000 reels in. And they sold all of those reels within, I would say, within a month and a half. And you know what a spinning reel costs then? $9.88. That seems like, you know, comparable to prices, though. That seems like it was, that was a pretty expensive reel back then, though. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, And then they come out with their with their line, their Ted Williams line, and they were they were they were a lot more expensive. They were probably thirty 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 five dollars. Holy cow! Uh, yeah, that's like that's like a you know good two three hundred dollar reel a day. You can get that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. Uh, I, I I stayed with those uh, nine eight nine ninety nine reels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Mitchell three hundreds. But then they uh, they had several reels that come out then. Uh, Zebco come out with a real nice spinning reel. Uh, but like I said, I use the uh, I use the casting reels up until the I would say probably in the late seventies, and then I'd use them off and on even after the spinning reels come out. I would still use the uh, the bait casters because you could put more pressure on the fish, you know. You can use heavier line. I still like the cast. But I've just always loved to catch trout. And uh, and where I fished, there was both trout and snook. You could catch either one. And then sometimes the reds would move in. Uh, but I, like most people, well, back then, redfish were, uh, they were strong. Now, I like strong fish because they eat a lot of mullet. Uh when I wasn't fishing, I was gigging mullet. 
<laughs> so I, I just I just love the taste of the mullet, but they're a strong fish. I was gonna I was gonna ask you in your opinion, what's the best fish to eat? Well, speckled trout. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of figured that was gonna be your answer. It's, it's you know if you fillet now now uh, back when I used to catch trout, we just cut the heads off, gutted them, and then cleaned out the blood out of the inside. And fried them whole. That's the best. That was the best way I liked it. But now we're all fancy. We fillet them. We skin them. We cut the belly out. And uh, it is a mild fish. My my wife likes speckled trout. And my wife likes the only fish that she likes is fish that don't taste like fish. I tell her sometimes, I said, you know, I, I could feed you, uh, I think, uh, ground up paper and you would think it was good. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so, we had, <clears throat> we actually got a lot of listener questions in for you. Uh, some, some things that some of our listeners wanted to know. So, I'm going to ask you a few of those questions here. And this one is from Dennis Roseman. Um, and he wants to know what are your thoughts on the advancement, the advancements of equipment fishermen use today. It's it's unbelievable the advancement they've had in just in rods alone. We we've already talked about the the reels. The reels went from you know from a casting outfit where you had to. I practiced for years when I was when I was real young so I could cast a bait caster. And then a spinning reel come out and made it really easy. <laughs> and then they come out with better spinning reels. And now they've got spinning reels that are so smooth, it's just, it's unbelievable. But the uh, the main thing is my first rod was a stainless steel rod, five foot long. <laughs> Had stainless steel guides and it was wrapped. The guides were wrapped on with stainless steel and soldered. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, and now you've got your uh, your carbon fiber rods, and then you put the your your new braid on it. I, I believe if a fish breathed on the line, you could feel it. Yeah. And, uh, that that to me is the biggest the biggest thing uh, in you know in fishing equipment. Uh, the other thing that's made fishing a lot easier now for people in the boats are like your power pole. You yeah. went from having to throw the anchor out every time in the shallow water when you're trout fishing that you can just push a button, it goes down, it anchors you. You get you want to drift some more, you just push the button, the anchor comes up. So it's that just that to me changed more than anything else. And then the quality of the trolling motors. They've got these new trolling motors now that you don't even need an anchor. You don't even need a power pole. You push a button and it anchors you right where you, it keeps you right exactly where you're at. Now, that's two of the biggest, to me, uh, improvements in the, uh, in the overall equipment and the rods and the line. Uh, some of your mono, even some of your monofilament lines now are really, really soft. Uh, which, which I like a soft line because it casts better. You don't get that loop-de-loop loop as it comes off, you know? 
mm. on the softer lines, and then with the with the uh, with the Power Pro, you don't get any the same thing. It's a it's a nice limp line, and I increase my cast going from the limp monofilament to the braided line because you can drop down and you know the the size of it. Like on, like on twenty pound tests, that's like using uh, uh, eight to eight to ten pound tests monofilament, same size, but a lot stronger. Hmm. And almost all my reels now, I, I use twenty pound on them. Uh, then that way, I use a I use a fifteen pound leader, and then that uh, if I have to break it off, it's going to break off in the leader instead of losing the line. But like I said, the two the two biggest things to me are really three, and that's the rods, the carbon fiber rods, and the guides are a lot better. Uh, and then the line, and then then your equipment on your boat. It, it, it's just it's totally different than when I was going out. Cause me and my brother, we paddled. Well, we used to we used to go to Double Branch and we paddled out and we paddled back, mm. and we tried to get out. We tried to get there with an outgoing tide, and then wait for the incoming tide so we could paddle back up the creek. <laughs> <laughs> Ride the tide back in. Ride the tide. So, what do you think about the 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 advancements and the all these crazy changes in the clothes we wear to fish now? It's just. It's unbelievable. Isn't it? Yeah. Now, right now, I'm paying for not wearing sunproof clothing and stuff like that. I've already had something like 40, 45 skin cancers cut off of me. Mm-hmm. I don't even, I can't even count high enough of how many I've had burnt off. But it's all from, you know, wearing just thin shirts. And you know the same. Uh, I've, I've gotten burned with a with a with a with a t-shirt on. You know mm-hmm. my arms didn't burn because they were already almost you know just completely brown. <laughs> but I've had my back burned through a t-shirt. Ooh, so man. you know I had to be a a, a feet. Yeah, it was a good hot day. <laughs> now the yeah. shirts are. I think that the lowest they got now is a is a is a fifteen, and they go up to a thirty. Uh, so that's that's one thing that's happened that that I really liked. I'm I'm definitely a fan of that uh, of wearing, even wearing those SPF shirts over wearing sunscreen. Now I will occasionally roll the sleeves up and put sunscreen on my forearms and stuff like that. Uh, but I just don't really like the feel of sunscreen all over me. So if I can cover myself with something to protect me from the sun outside of sunscreen while I fish, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm far more comfortable throughout the day, I find. Because I get to sweating and it gets in my eyes and whatever I, else. I started wearing uh, long sleeves. I'll say this for sunscreen, though. You pay for what you get. Absolutely. If you buy something that costs you 250 for a 10-ounce tube, <laughs> and then you've got something sitting right alongside of it, got four ounces in it, it costs you $15. I don't want to tell you something right there. <laughs> right. Uh, shoot, I even, I, I work outside all day, every day, and I wear long sleeves. It don't matter if it's 100 degrees outside, I got I got a long sleeve on just because 
uh, you know, in the time that I've been working outside, I've, I've come to find out that it, you actually stay cooler having wear, wearing long sleeves with the sun not directly Here's beating on Here's the thing, I tell people, because I wear a t-shirt, but I wear a long sleeve, uh, I've, um, I wear denim right now. I wear the long sleeve uh, blue denim shirts and the, and the uh, blue denim pants. Uh, they're pretty good protected, but I wear a t-shirt underneath and the guy said, how can you do that? Once you get that t-shirt, then you get any breeze at all. Absolutely. It, it cools you down. It's just unbelievable. But uh, I, I use I, I use them anytime I get in a boat or anytime. But I've got some real good sunscreen that the uh, dermatologist had told me about, and uh, it's expensive, but uh, it's Neutrogena. That's a uh, that's a real good uh, real good one, and it's not. You can't even see it on you after it's been on, after it dries. But the only way to get it off is to wash it off. <laughs> it don't come off during the daytime. Well, if it works, it's worth it's worth the penny, every penny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, especially when it comes to you know preventing things like skin cancer, which I'm sure you, you know firsthand. If you'd have been able to have that uh, seventy years well, ago, I'm sure you'd been. I've got, a, I've been got a four inch cut on the side of my face right now, right in front of my right ear. <laughs> That they took off of the, what they call that Mohs surgery, where you go in and they cut, then you, then you sit down in the office and you wait for them to come back. Then they say, well, we didn't get it all, and they go back and they cut some more. Mm. Well, I was lucky they, they got it the second time this last time, but I sat there one time, eight hours, I had to go back in four times. Jeez. Wow. So, and I, I, <laughs> I've got a picture I show people. I think I convinced them into wearing sunscreen. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. So I, we have another question here from George Hastick, and I apologize to these people if I'm mispronouncing their names when you guys are listening to this, but he wants to know when and how did you get coined Mr. Trout? <laughs> well, that's, a, that's kind of a funny story. I used to be on the Mel Berman show. I, did, I probably did more shows with Mel than anybody did. In fact, I I was on his show. I, I, I lost count of how many times, but him and I were real good friends. But he used to call me Mr. Trout. Well, there was a gentleman up north of here that called a station and threatened to sue the station and threatened to sue uh, uh, Mel Berman and threatened to sue me for using his Mr. Trout. And I never used it. That was just something that that Mel called me because he knew that I loved trout fishing, and that's what most of it I did. And so I had a lawyer friend. He says, well, let me check into it. I said, well, I don't want to spend no money. Oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Well, I didn't. And $600 later, he comes back to me, and he says, uh, nobody had that, So, but I, I, uh, I trademarked it in your name in about 15 or 20 different ways and it only cost you $600 <laughs> <laughs> only cost you $600 yeah <clears throat> he let me pay it off in installments <laughs> but that's, that's how it happened uh, and uh, actually if you pull up Mr. Trout you'll see my name beside of it well that's pretty awesome there uh, and he George also wants to know uh what do you think about our trout numbers today? 
you know, versus when you when you first started trout fishing? Well, no, there's not as many trout as there were back in the uh, in the late '40s, early '50s. I'd say up into the '60s. Uh, but now they're coming back. I would say right now I could take you out and catch you, and uh, we could catch all the trout you want to catch, just about any time. I've got eight or nine spots that I can go to in the bay, and uh, especially up in the north end of the bay. Uh, most people go out on the grass flats for the trout, and they're and they're there. But what they're where they're at is on the edges of them right now. In fact, not right now because we haven't had any cool weather. But when we get some cool weather, they'll start moving into the channels that move into the into the creeks and stuff like that on the north end of the bay and anywhere along the other along the uh, bay because what happens is the water back in them swamps like over Weedon Island way back in there the water is shallow and it's dark and it heats up real quick and then on an outgoing tide that warmer water comes out and uh, I, I fish I like an incoming tide all through summer but then when wintertime, I like that outgoing tide because that's going to be your warm tide. And I like to fish, you know, uh, deep water, but fishing at, at the mouth of a creek or something like that coming out because that's where your trout's going to be. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm glad uh, this is all recorded so I don't have to actually sit here and physically take notes with you while I got yeah. you on the phone. <laughs> I'm going to have to go through it and jot some stuff down. <laughs> uh, when I play, when this publishes, and I'll listen to it again, and I have to take actually take some notes. Yeah. <laughs> like now, now that he's talking, some of like some of the spots I catch a lot of trout. It makes like I'm silver, silver mirror lure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want to get one. Of now, that. like now that I'm thinking well, about you know, it, I'm like, I dang, that's... everybody. I'm a good trout fisherman. Uh, not many people want to go up against me. How <laughs> 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 many people bet me on a, uh, when we're trout fishing? But I'm, anybody out here could be as good a trout fisherman or a good snook fisherman or a good red fisherman. All you've got to do is spend the time. You, you think about it. I've been fishing since I was nine years old. I'm 81. I'll be 81 in January. How many years is that I've been fishing? Mm. You know, you're bound to learn a little something, pick up a little something. But, and that's what's nice about going to these seminars and listening to these podcasts and stuff like that. And I don't mind. I know my son gets all over me when I start giving tips out and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, 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 this is a sport I love, and I love to see other people catch. That's what I love about guiding. A lot of people say, you know, why are you guiding at 81 years old? And I said, because I love it. I love to see people catch fish. I love to see people. I like to watch people when they get a, a good fish on, especially a good trout, because you know how they'll come to the top and they'll splash around. Oh, that excites people, and I just watch them, and that excites me. It, uh, I just, I just, I just love taking people out. Uh, I, I know it's work. Uh, I told a guy one time. Because he was questioning what I charge 
And I said, well, let me ask you something. Uh, he was a lawyer. I said, what do you charge an hour? How about if I just charge you what you charge your customers an hour to keep you out here fishing? He said, touche. I will not say another word about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I just enjoy it. I, uh, like I said, it just makes me feel good. And uh, I know I say this, some, some, some people think I'm corny, but I think it's a talent that the Lord give me to give to other people. And that's why I enjoy doing it. You know, Absolutely. not many people out here at 81 that are even fishing. And yep. I'm out here, I'm out here, you know, even when, when you charter me, I'm going to teach you everything that I know to make you a better fisherman the next time you go with me. Or if you go with somebody else, or you go on your own, it just, it just, uh, it makes me feel good anyway. Oh, I can completely understand that. That's kind of along the lines of why we started the podcast we have, because I am, we have collective information to share, and we can reach out to people who have much more knowledge and information on topics like yourself uh, than we do, and we can put that information out there on a free platform so that people can listen and gather this information and hopefully help them to be more successful in the future. And, you know, we don't, the thing is, is if you were to watch these hunting and, and, and fishing and stuff like that on television, you would think it takes a six figure salary to be successful at some of this stuff, but it doesn't. It just takes, no. uh, you know, what I sweat, like, yeah. sweat equity. Uh, what you don't physically pay for in cash, you you can pay for in sweat. That, that's the main. Like you said, all you gotta have is a boat, and boats are cheap. If you want to buy something that just to get you into a boat, so you can get out on the water, paddles are cheap. <laughs> if you want to paddle, you can paddle. You can if you can't buy a motor, buy a trolling motor. You just get a one of those. I don't know the, the smaller ones. The, the, the transom mounted. They rate them anyway, but you can put a small trolling motor on the back of a boat or a kayak. Any anything that, that can get you out there to to get you where the fish are, you know, get you away from the shore. But then there's a lot of places in Tampa and in St. Petersburg that you can go to and off the shore just wade out a little bit and catch all the fish you want to catch. There's several places here in Tampa. So, have you or do you guide any fly fishing trips? Uh, I used to have two people that I, take, I used to take out all the time. I'm not that good at fly fishing myself and so I don't know exactly what they have to have and you know how they have to have it uh, but I have had some uh, I had one gentleman used to come in from uh, I think so someplace out in Colorado or something like that he come in every year and I, I had several snook holes that he could go to and 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 hook up some big hey he's caught some big size I couldn't believe the size of the snook that he caught on that fly rod because <laughs> the fly rod always amazes me the pressure that they can put on a fish 
but you see them catch these 150-pound tarpon on, on fly rods. Now, of course, now that's, that's a little bit stronger, tougher fly rod, but it's still it's a fly rod. That's probably, probably that using like 12 weight fly rods. You know, double over. Yeah, I, those those fly rods used for tarpon are are, are they're what twelve weights? Or yeah, something pretty like that? pretty dang yeah. hefty, <laughs> pretty dang hefty, and they aren't lightweight either. It's it's a workout in and of itself. I mean, I'm not very good at fly fishing, but I do have a fly rod to fly fish in the saltwater with, and comparative to your average fly rod that you would see uh, on a trout stream in North Carolina or something like that, that joker's heavy. Well, I've got some fly rods, and that's where I used to use them. We used to go to Carolina every year, and I used to love to get in those streams. <clears throat> well, the first time I didn't like it too much because uh, I come up there, and I'm, I've got a little pack of flies, and the guy says, where's your bait? I said, I've got it here. He said, oh, no, 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 that's not going to be any good. I said, well, what kind of fly are you using? And he pulls out a can of corn. <laughs> he said these fish up here are are, are farm raised and are raised on corn and and uh so anyway the while we were standing there talking the truck come up and started and i seen everybody quit fishing and then they dumped all these uh fish in the water and then I started to fish. The guy said, no, 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 you can't fish now. I said, what do you mean? He says, when they dump them in, you've got to wait 30 minutes. <laughs> and I said, I said, well, I didn't bring my watch with me. He said, don't worry about it. Watch everybody else. <laughs> when it gets close to that 30 minutes, all the rods go up. <laughs> when it hits that 30 minutes, all the rods go in the water. <laughs> but, uh, I did catch a couple of fish that day, but that to me was—it's uh, almost oh, like cheating. Definitely yeah. fishing in a, I took my son to a, a hatchery one time for him to fish, but <laughs> that's about what that was like. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ethan Moses would like to know: over the many years you've spent on the water, what kind of changes have you noticed in water quality and the condition of the fisheries you fish in? I'll tell you what, I think that the water quality has improved over the years. I don't know whether anybody knows this or not, but there's some places over near the, you know where the Clearwater had their sewer plant at? They're on the causeway? I do not. No, sir. There used to be one there. I don't know if it's still there or not. But there's areas out there that you can take a pole and shove it into the mud 10 to 12 feet and it's nothing but sludge because they used to dump they used to uh, chlorinate it and dump it right out there raw you know raw sewage Tampa was the first one that put out sewage that you could drink or sewage water that you could drink I don't know I mean tell me I could or not I don't know if I'd want to Clearwater went to the same thing. <laughs> the worst out here right now is St. Petersburg. They do more damage to the bay right now than anytime it rains, they dump raw sewage out on the west side of the bay. 
That's, that's... I used to know all the little creeks and everything else, the names of them, but it's not hard to find out. Yeah. Where the raw sewage comes out. Uh, and I think the only thing they do to it is uh, they don't they don't chlorinate it. They've got another stuff that's not supposed to hurt the fish. But when they're dumping, you can't catch a fish within a mile of that of that creek. And it, I. It, <clears throat> but uh, the the bay over here, Tampa Bay, that water that water bowl out there. If you go out there, it's clear. And uh, there's several places where they dump, but it's clear water. And uh, I think it's a lot better now. Uh, the only thing now are the street runoffs that are, that are affecting us quite a bit. You know, the oil and stuff like that off the streets. Because, they, you know, there's not, not much they can do there. I guess they could if they wanted to, but they, they don't. But the, uh, as far as sewage goes, other than uh, St. Petersburg, in, inadequate system they have, it's, uh, I think Tampa's got an excellent system, and I've, I've toured it. Uh, and uh, I've looked at the one in the Clearwater, and it was, uh, it, it's an impressive one now. You know, I might get a little hate mail for saying this, but if Tampa Bay is putting out drinkable sewage water, Dasani might want to get their number because yeah. their water already <laughs> tastes like crap. Maybe we can improve a little bit <clears throat> from just getting it from Tampa Bay. You know, the 90% of our water comes from uh, the Hillsborough River. Yeah. And when you've got a lot of tannic acid in it, they have to put, uh, there's two chemicals. One of them is chlorine. They use a lot of chlorine. In fact, sometimes you can smell it. You know, when you're taking a shower, that smell you smell is chlorine. And there's something else they put in there, too, that's uh, not really good to drink. I don't drink anything out of the tap anymore. It either goes through the filter uh, on my sink or the filter on in the uh, in my refrigerator. <laughs> and I change my filter on that refrigerator every six months. At a tune of about eighty-five dollars, <laughs> but I like I like good drinking water. No, I can I can completely understand yeah, that. I can respect that for sure. Yeah. So you know, and you, you talked about the the roadway runoff, the water runoff. We have our infrastructure has improved, but we still have a long way to go, and it's hard for the infrastructure that we have in place now to keep up with the growth rate of the people moving to Florida, building more houses, and then, you know, putting that strain on the infrastructure uh, that wasn't necessarily intended for as many people as are using it. Uh, and that's, you know, that, that's something we've got to figure out if we truly want to continue to improve our, our waterways and take care of our water here in Florida. Yeah, well, the main thing right now, we just need to get... Um, See, there's a lot of chemicals that are going into the water that are put into in there by us. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you, you think about uh, at your house, how many loads of clothes do you wash a week? Quite yeah. a few. <laughs> yeah. And what do you put in there? Detergent and all kinds of other crap. I mean, they got Whatever. all kinds of little beads and other kind of crap you put in there nowadays. Whatever stuff comes off your clothes, too. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's uh, 
we like you say, we, there's a long way for us to go. Uh, I don't know what the answer is. Uh, if I did, I'd probably be rich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh, Ronnie Welch wants to know, what is your most memorable catch? Uh, I've got two. I've got a picture that I put on the internet a while back. I had a the, the, the first one, though, the, the most memorable one was the one I told you to begin with where I had that friend of mine and we caught, uh, he caught 129 trout and I caught 127. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I also had a day, we, I had a 140, 140-quart 140 uh, Coleman, I think it was a Coleman or an Igloo, I, I forget. But anyway, it was a big cooler, 140-quart cooler. And I had it full to the top, very little ice on the top, with trout and redfish. Mm. Now, <laughs> this picture is really sickening, but there's one thing that I never, I never buried fish. If I caught them and brought them home, I cleaned them. I had a, I had a tub and everything that I could put fish in. And I would stand there sometimes for hours cleaning fish. But every fish I ever caught was eaten. If it wasn't eaten by me, it was eaten by my neighbors. Or, like I said before, I would take them to the uh, the fish stores. Uh, my favorite used to be Eatman out on uh, Nebraska Avenue. And, uh, but, and, I get twenty five cent a pound for them back then. Now <laughs> trout, I think uh, they sell trout now. The ones that sell them uh, for two dollars and I think it's two dollars and twenty five cent a pound. You know, and that's just whole. Mm. That's why that's why fish are so expensive right now. Oh yeah, but, yeah. but that but that day we started off. I think it was me and my son. We started off the day. And it was, we actually quit. I told my son, and he said the same thing. He quit. He was he was asleep up on the front deck of the boat before I was. <laughs> before I quit fishing. <laughs> but uh, I don't even, I, and I don't, I can't even tell you the numbers. But it was a however many. Now, now these weren't big fish back then. You could keep trout. The limit on trout was twelve inches. There was no limit on redfish, but you know most people kept redfish that were uh, 12, 13 inches, because that's what most of them were. I didn't like the big ones. Uh, I like the small ones because I could fry them whole. But like I said, I used to fish all, all the fish I cleaned and ate. I, I fried them whole. I had a big 16-inch uh, uh, cast iron frying pan, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, I don't like. I don't even like to tell people what I cook my fish in, because they 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 they, they, they think I'm crazy. <laughs> yeah. But I saved up. I saved up all my bacon fat. It's <laughs> <laughs> almost about to say something. Of it. <laughs> and I would put that bacon fat in the frying pan, and that's what we fried fish in. You know, I don't think so, I've met anything that I've fried in in bacon uh, fat or bacon grease that I I haven't liked. Oh, I'm not there with you. <laughs> that, that, 
you're right. I don't <laughs> care what it is. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Now, I cooked liver there one time. I cannot get liver to go down. It just won't. <laughs> I start chewing it, and I start gagging. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of liver either, no matter how you slice it, fry yeah. it. Bake it, whatever. Right. That's not that's not very tasty. <laughs> you can fry it in. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't eat it. <laughs> and I I see these people eat it, and they, they just can't get enough of it. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, what is the biggest trout you've ever caught? My biggest trout was uh, thirty three inches. That's uh, like my son. Two days after I catch a thirty three inch. In, he catches 134. <laughs> That's a gator trout right there. This, uh, this boy, is, uh, my, my boy sometimes irritates me. I think <laughs> kingfishing, and my biggest kingfish, I think was, uh, uh, I think it was 35 pounds. He catches one almost 39 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Evidently, you taught him right. Yes, it sounds like you taught him right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he did the same thing to me on snook, did the same thing to me on redfish. He just, uh, of course, now he used to sneak into these places that I used to, uh, well, when I was younger, I didn't pay any attention to it. I probably caught 10,000 pounds of redfish at the mouth of the uh, of the power plant over there in Oldsmar. <laughs> where that hot, the hot water used to come out. Yes, sir. I used to sneak in there. <laughs> no, I didn't sneak in there. <laughs> and catch trout until I just, I, I had to drag them back because uh, I used to park up there. And then they learned that when they seen us parking there, they, they knew where we were, so they'd come down and run <laughs> us off. And then the, the, sh- the sheriff called me one time and said, if you go back and I catch you in here again, you're going to jail. So, <laughs> I started coming in by boat then. <laughs> <laughs> so you were, what you were saying is you were doing a little bit of unique fishing where you unique in and then you unique back out when you're done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me. Uh, what, is, what is probably, I would say, the funniest thing you've had happen out on the water? You know that that's hard there. <laughs> <laughs> well, now this may not be funny, but I laughed about it forever. One day, I I was on a I was with my brother-in-laws. I had them all out fishing, and I got a I got a hook in my in my in between my uh, middle finger and my next well in, in, right in the middle of the hand there. And it went in, and I couldn't get it out. And so they're all winding up. I said, what are you doing? He said, well, we need to go in and get you to the hospital. I said, we can go to the hospital later. I said, get that black tape out of there. And I took it, and I taped the two fingers together. (laughs) And I went back to fishing. And... (laughs) I laugh about that now because about how stupid I was. <laughs> but, uh, I, uh, it, like I said, if, if, if you didn't bend your fingers, it didn't hurt. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, we, but we were catching trout that day. That was another day. We filled up a, a, 
and, and that's something I didn't tell you. My day trip, anytime I went out, was a igloo, a forty-eight quart, no, a forty-eight quart Coleman cooler. When I filled it up, I quit fishing. Whew. <laughs> and my son came out one day. Me and, I, me and that same friend of mine I was telling you about, we both had a uh, a cooler full. He was he was going to. We were, we were camped out at Double Branch, and uh, I come into the the causeway to pick him up. So I picked him up and I said, "You got to wait here a minute because we've got to run up to the uh, one of the uh, fish markets and sell these fish." What fish? <laughs> we opened up the coolers. <laughs> he liked to die because he we wanted to get over there and catch guys. He said, are they, are they still biting? I said, well, they were when we left. <laughs> but now we did that in about, about four and a half hours. Jeez. Both of us had a cooler full. Yeah. And I don't know how many times I did that. You know, and people don't, <clears throat> it's hard for people to believe these stories. Because, you know, it just doesn't happen anymore. But I did have a guy tell me one time, call me a liar. I, he said, how many fish have you caught this year? And I think it was, it was in uh, November. And uh, I said, I think I've caught 10,000 pounds. And he said, oh, that's bull crap. I said, uh, I was back at the boat ramp then. And I walked over to the truck and I, they used to give you a, a trip ticket when you took the fish in to sell them. And I had a big roll of them. And I said, if you check these, I think there's, there might be a little over 10,000 pounds, but I know there's 10,000 pounds there of fish that I've sold. And that's not all I've caught. That's just what I've sold. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of fish yeah <laughs> i would have never believed it he said i didn't believe you but i can't argue with this he, the, the, the dates are just like you said they started off in january you had you had to keep them for a for a uh a year i don't know why because uh oh no no i didn't do that either i always reported all my fish to the to the income tax people but anyway yeah. <laughs> I these tickets so I can report them <laughs> and uh, I just I just did it for the fun I, I uh, but I knew that year because I had, uh, some other somebody else had asked me how many I'd caught that year and I I added up all the tickets and and they, they had come up to 10,000 pounds but you figure there's uh, in a in a 48 quart Coleman cooler full there's probably oh 70, 80 pounds in, in each one of them. Because mm. you know they, they they pay you by the uh, for the whole fish. So and it might have been more than that, but I had uh, and that, at that time I was fishing every day because I was working uh, uh, I was working mid, uh, midnight to eight. eight. I, um, no, I'm sorry, three to eleven. Get up every morning, be out on the water, stay out there until two o'clock, and I had to come back in and go to work. <laughs> so, <clears throat> what technological advancement over the years has changed the way you fish? The most. The well, most. Like I said before, uh, make my fishing easier in the boat, the power pole, and the trolling motors. But also, 
the advancement in your rod and reels, uh, the line. I think the line more than anything else has uh, has helped on on to me help help the fishermen a lot. Now, do you uh, the think power pole and it and it has helped my back? <laughs> <laughs> and then the trolling motors is. Uh, well, you, you when you're using a trolling motor, you don't scare them off, and you have to wait for them to come back. A trolling motor, you know, ease you along, and you can you can you can you can follow the school, especially on redfish, because you can see them. And I've stayed with a school of redfish one time for almost a half a mile Ooh, as they moved down this creek. Yeah. Uh, but I just start that trolling motor up and move me ahead a little bit. And then put the power pole down. It just, uh, me and a friend of mine, we just caught we just caught redfish. We caught all the redfish we wanted to eat back then. <laughs> like I said, there wasn't no limit on redfish. Mm-hmm. Even uh, I think I think when did they put a limit on redfish? It was about eight or ten years ago, wasn't it? Uh, well, I, I believe remember. it was somewhere around there. Yes or yeah. Hmm. But I, I think those two things, or those three things, the line. Power pole and trolling motors. Because mm. motors are just, uh, they've got fancier names now, they've got more horsepower. Oh, yeah. I fished with a three horsepower motor all over the bay, <laughs> all over this bay, all over uh, down at uh, 10,000 Islands. I used to go everywhere with that, with that two horsepower. I had a two horsepower Suzuki. And that motor run forever. <laughs> yeah. Now, and I sold it, and uh, I, I checked with a guy eight or nine years later, and he was still using it. <laughs> <laughs> Back when they were built with uh, quality instead of quantity. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, do you, with, with the, the braid, have you, do you feel like there's that much of a difference between, like, the regular old braid and this new, like, slick braid they have out? You're talking about the... the they, they have like that new braid that has the the slick coating on it, you know, versus, you know, their, their initial braid that came out was just kind of like string. Yeah, I think it's power probe. Well, has it out. No, 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 sir. The braid and like braided fishing line. <clears throat> oh, oh, uh, that's just hard to say. That's just up to, uh, person using them but I know uh, the uh, you know I used to make in fact I used to own uh, Bubba's jigs okay oh okay hmm. and whether finishes finishes do matter but hmm. so do you think as as, as a whole has the has technology has a had a positive or negative impact on the fishing community? I think it's a little bit of both. The negative part is made it too easy, and that's why we've that. got restrictions right now on a lot of our fish. I know the red tide has done some of it, 
you really think about it, and that's why they took the nets off of the uh, out of the water. When the nets were made out of uh, it was cotton twine or or whatever, they didn't. The fish could see them, and then they went to uh, monofilament nets, and they increased their catch by. I think one uh, commercial fisherman told me one day he increased his catch by 400% when he went to monofilament. Mm. The same thing that the monofilament line, instead of the old braid, black braid line, they couldn't see you. And and then with the uh, the, the clear... uh, leader and material and stuff like that the, the fluorocarbons yes sir it's in, impacted it good but then bad because it increased the catch <clears throat> in all you know all technological advancements we see in the outdoors are designed to increase uh, your chances of success uh, which can have a you know it's, it's a positive for the individual uh, but can in a roundabout way have a negative impact on the whole of it. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Yep. It's, uh, oh, <laughs> um, I, I know, I know it, it increased my catch quite a bit when they went from, uh, uh, the old black braid, which that's what I had on my casting reels. <laughs> They just went to the new nylon braid, or Dacron braid, which was a finer one, and then they went to a different color uh, other than the black, and that increased my my catch. Uh, I've just noticed that as as we got advancements in it, it increased my catch. Uh, the, the numbers I used to catch, I just caught them them numbers because of the number of fish there were. I had to get better and my equipment had to be better and my lures had to get better. Uh, you know, later on. But like I said, the mirror lure to me is one of the best lures there is on the market for catching <laughs> just about any kind of fish. And I use, like I said, I use silver and gold Except for my snook. I like that redhead with a white body. And you know, I have never seen a redheaded, white bodied fish. <laughs> you know, I haven't either, but it sure does work for a lot of different species of saltwater fish for some reason. But they sure like that redhead, white bodied <laughs> lure. Because I used to use that, the, uh, on my snook fishing, I used to use the. The mirror lure, red-headed mirror lure, and the red-headed uh, Greek chug pikey. Hmm. Yeah. And then they come out with another fancy, bigger one that was the uh, the Cisco Kid. I don't yeah. even, y'all probably never heard of the lures. <laughs> no, I have not. <laughs> but it, but it was a uh, Cisco Kid was about oh uh, about ten inches long. Jeez, that's a, that's a pretty good, <laughs> good, good big size lure. lure. I've caught fish that big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to use that in a river, the Hillsborough River. 
Yeah. Mm. That used to be, well, if it still is, people just don't fish it anymore. <laughs> I could take you down there to the, to the river in certain spots after it rains, and I'll guarantee you, you can catch snook till you get tired. <laughs> now you definitely have to come down there and charter with him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't go up there anymore though. Mm. Well, I tell you, one spot used to be the Hillsborough Avenue Bridge. They used to have a, a square pipe that come out there, and when that rain started and that water started coming out of that pipe, <clears throat> it was a storm drain. The snook would lay on either side of that swift water. I guess they thought there was there was fish coming out or something. And you could throw a mirror lower in there and just let it drift down, and you could tell when you got it because it would take off. <laughs> I, I went there. I went there one night with my brother-in-law, and both of us limited out. I'd say within, well, in my case, it was three plugs <laughs> and an hour and a half, and in him it was, uh, I think, four or five plugs and an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> So you, you talked about rain there, or you just kind of barely mentioned it. I'm going to see if I can pull one more story out of you before we get to the end here. Anybody who has spent uh, at least a 48-hour period on the coast in Florida knows that the, a storm will come up out of nowhere. Uh, what is What is probably the worst weather event that has caught you out on the water you've been caught out in? This was on a charter. We were, I was up the bay quite a bit, uh, sort of almost in the middle of the bay, out there alongside the channels, and I seen a storm coming, and I told him, I said, gentlemen, we need to call this a day, and the guy says, my captain, I said, that storm's coming, and he said, oh no, that's going the other way, I said, no, it's coming this way, they all come this way. But we were sort of on the west side of the bay. So he said, no, I want to stay. I said, okay. So I went up to the front and let out all the line I had. I had, you know, I just I tied it off short, but I needed the extra because I knew there was going to be some strain on it. And I went back to the back. I got my rain suit out. I put it on. And about five minutes later, the wind picked up to about, you know how it picks up to 25, 30, mm -hmm. 35, 40 yeah. miles an hour. And he says, Captain, you think we ought to go? I said, no, we're not going now. <laughs> I'm not going to head into that thing. I said, best thing I can do is I've got, a, I got a, uh, a tarpaulin up in that front deck. You want to get it? Get it. Uh, and... But anyway, that thing come, and what scared everybody, the wind and the rain didn't scare anybody, but about every 30 seconds there was a lightning bolt that just lit up the sky. <laughs> and you figure we're the highest thing out there. Yeah, out in the middle of the bay, you're the only thing out there sticking up. <laughs> yeah. The storm went by us, the water calmed down, I pulled the anchor in, I said, oh, they were soaking wet. I said, gentlemen, are you ready to go in? He said, yes, sir. <laughs> that paddle you got up there in the front of the boat, I had a one of those metal 
I use it more for pushing than it is for paddling. I said, yeah. He said, if I ever go out with you again and you tell me it's time to come in and I say, no, I want you to take that paddle, the heavy end, and hit me right upside the head with it. <laughs> he said, I've been scared twice in my life and this was both times. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of one of those ones where it's just kind of like I told you so. All right, well, I'm gonna prove it then. <laughs> All right then. I can I can remember. I said, Lord, excuse me for this one. Oh man, the wind is the wind and stuff like that didn't bother me. I I got caught on the Gulf one time with an east wind. And I was, uh, now you want to talk about stupid, I was 22 miles out. I followed one of the boats out to the kingfish. And we loaded up on kingfish, and the wind come up higher instead of dropping down in the afternoon and coming out of the west. It just stayed out of the east all day. I used uh, three-quarters of a tank of gas going out. And changing over, going back, I used a, a full tank and a... And a that other Almost quarter. another full tank. <laughs> Goodness. And this was in a 16-foot boat. <laughs> Holy moly. Yeah, that's that's a, quite a tiny boat to be out there yeah. that far. Bravery. Yeah. Course, yeah. Now, you, you couldn't sink it. It was unsinkable, but you could have flipped it. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I didn't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I can remember a time when we went out of uh, the Homosassa River one time out into the Gulf, and we were, you know, with our backs facing out to the Gulf, facing back east towards shore and uh, I turned back and I looked back and I could see a storm back behind us coming in and I said ah we probably got another we, we'll get out of here in 20 or 30 minutes we'll be alright and then I heard a crack I heard thunder off in the distance I turned back again and I saw two uh, water spouts and I said well boys it's time to go <laughs> <laughs> I got caught in one one time we weren't watching and it come within probably I'd say 75 yards of us. Whew. If the boat hadn't have been in, in the, the boat had more water inside the boat than it did on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's funny about it? It was salt water. Hmm. Huh. The rain coming down was salt water. Hmm. Wow. But then the guy told me what happens is that that water spout sucks the salt water up and then he just spins it out the top. Yeah, that's why the rain comes down so hard. I know I've gotten caught in a couple storms in the lagoon, and I used to have a 16 foot uh, or J16 center console Carolina skiff, and that was not a fun boat to get stuck in a storm <laughs> in because it already didn't ride dry when it was calm. <laughs> but if yeah, you were you ready to get Skiff, you could just pull the plugs on that. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we did. I remember. I had, a, I, had a, I had a 21 for a while, then I bought a 24. Now, that was a nice, that was a nice boat. Yeah. I remember that J-16 one time. I had gotten, wasn't paying attention and gotten so much water in it coming in in a storm that I reached back to take the plug out where the water was over the battery. When I stuck my hand back there to get the plug, it shocked me. <laughs> <laughs> it was current running through the water. 
But uh, I, I used to do that all the time when I, because, you know, in a Carolina skiff in rough water, you're going to get wet. Oh, absolutely. It's going <laughs> to come in. But I never worried about it. It was, you know, I know I wasn't going down. Yeah. <laughs> well, that old J-16 was just a single, single hole fiberglass boat. That thing... It was like a fiberglass John boat with a, what, a 49 oh, no, on the back. I didn't know that. 48, it had a 48 Johnson on it. Yeah. There there <laughs> wasn't you you could put that boat underwater quick fast in a hurry if you if you tried just a little bit. <laughs> but well, I have taken them over the bow on, on that but like I said it didn't bother me because it just come over the front. Yeah. I had I pulled the both the two top plugs and the bottom plug. Because <laughs> I, I, I was keeping it up enough so it was, you know, the plugs were all, they were all draining. We, plus, plus I had a, a bilge pump going. <laughs> We'd still pull the plugs. We just get the boat going good, get it out on plane first, then reach back here and pull the plugs. Yeah. That way it'll drain the water out while we're going. The yeah. crazy, crazy thing about that boat is that Johnson sometimes would cut off out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be going full speed and then it would just boom drop to idle that uh that made for some interesting interesting stories in and of itself yeah but uh so we're we're coming towards the end here um and at the end of every episode we do the under pressure out what we'd like to do is called the under pressure outdoors tip of the week um and the under pressure outdoors tip of the week is brought to you by the ratchet jacket ratchet jacket and the ratchet jacket is a neoprene sleeve that fits over your it can fit over the metal part of your ratchet binder or you can use it in the corners of loads to keep your uh, ratchet strap from from getting cut uh, but you know most importantly you put it on that metal part and when you're hauling around uh, mother-in-law's china cabinet it'll keep it from scratching it up or uh, you know scratching up the paint the, the, the gel, gel coat paint. on that nice new boat you got there uh, so on and so forth, uh, but you guys can hop on Facebook and and their website and check those guys out. And get you some of those orders. They are really inexpensive for what they are. Yeah. Uh, and so far they've worked quite well for us. So go on and check them out. But what what kind of what what tip do you have for our listeners? All right. The first good cool spell we have. Try to find you a creek, Rocky Creek, Double Branch, all them creeks at the north end of the bay, and then all the creeks along the, uh, the the west side of the bay. Anywhere there's water coming out, and there's a deep channel with grass around it. <clears throat> if we get a good cold, cool spell, that's where you want to be. You catch all the trout you want to catch. Uh, I would say the north end of the bay right now is probably as hot as it's going to be. And that, because that, generally the fishing there starts early this year, but because we haven't had any cool weather and we're fishing to get another cool spell, and I think this is going to cool it down enough to get the fish to start migrating into the, uh, into the fresher water. Hmm. That and, uh, and, what was that, a silver mirror lure? Yeah, <laughs> a, a 52 ms mirror lure. <laughs> make a note of I'm that. Make a, yeah, I'm about to yeah. buy. I already, I already own some stock in mirror lure, but I'm about to, <laughs> I'm about to ride up to Walmart and buy everything they got. I've, I've got a couple of mirror lures myself. You know, 
I, I talk about the silver and the gold being the best, but I've also got 200 other mirror lures of different colors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know myself, I got two boxes full of mirror. I got two of my boxes and my tackle boxes are nothing but mirror lure. And I've got... I've got every tackle box I got has got two boxes in each one of them. <laughs> but uh, uh, like I said, I've for years I don't know you won't remember him, but there used to be a bait house on the causeway. It was called Furman's, and I used to go in there. And he says, if there was anybody in there, he said, well, here's a here's the last of the big time spinners. You want one or two dozen shrimp today? I said, I just want one. The only thing I used them for was when I used the uh, uh, the Super Dude. That was a jig, a feather jig, not a feather jig, but had you know it had feathers on it. Uh, put a little piece of shrimp on it because I could take I could take one shrimp. I could get I could get three or four pieces out of him. Hmm. Put it on the back just for something to taste for them to taste. Right. Well, gentlemen, I tell you what, it's been nice. Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, talking sir. To y'all. yeah. It, it's been a lot of fun. Tell, I love to talk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we do too. We love uh, to listen. I really appreciate you joining us. Uh, it's it's been a been a great episode, full of a lot of information. A, a ton of information. Yeah. Well, like I said, I don't mind sharing it. In fact, I really enjoy sharing it. And so, until next time. Yes, sir. Yeah. If you want, what's what's the name of your charter, by the way, so our listeners can can uh, get with you if they it's, they want to. It's Charters by Captain Richard Seward. <laughs> that's okay. the name of okay. it. Yeah, it's an easy one. That's that's what's on the back of my truck, anyway. <laughs> and can they just find you online, or do you have an email that they could reach you at, or a way you prefer to be reached out to? Oh, uh, just my cell phone number. Is what I, that's what I've got on everything. And that's 813-361-8161. All right. All right. Well, I appreciate it, and I hope you have a wonderful evening, and, and I hope you catch many more fish for years to come. <laughs> I think I'll catch a few more. Yeah. <laughs> in ten minutes, I will be in bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you leave some fish for the rest of us now. <laughs> Y'all, y'all have a good evening now. You too. Yes, sir, you too. So I would say for my tip of the week, uh, you know, we talked about the weather and always with the technological advancements we have now, you've got it on your phone. Uh, oh, yeah. So always err on the side of safety and get the heck out of Dodge because ain't no fish out there worth absolutely losing your life over yeah there's so, so many apps nowadays right oh yeah there's and, a ton of them for just for weather and the uh those storms will come up on you quick fast and in a hurry out I think, there i think that applies more than water. Just, just salt water too you know even even in fresh water some of the some of the uh i know lake george gets bad and it gets bad in a hurry yeah it does uh jordan what do you got Jeez, uh, I don't. I didn't even. I guess you know. I kind of follow up on what what uh, Captain Seward said is, you know, if you want to get out there, boat or just water craft in general, it's cheap. You know, you can mm-hmm. you can go on Facebook and and get yourself a, a cheap little kayak off Facebook Marketplace to to get yourself 
you know, away from shore. Well, even that. So, what did you pay for that John boat? Which one? The one you got rid of. The, the one I traded the snap-on toolbox for? Yes. I paid $400 for it. That, that was boat, trailer, and a trolling motor. Yeah. And that one, I mean, but that boat was worth $400. And it was, it, it was, it was ready to fish out of. And then you, on top of that, got that long tail mud motor you had for how much more? Uh, I paid 700 for that. So 1300 bucks. I had a, uh, yeah, you had a boat that could get you boat. a decent ways pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it wasn't fast, but it, it was cheap. Yeah. And that $400, I mean, that in and of itself could get you, just the boat and trolling motor could get you where you want to go. Yeah. Ain't going to get you anywhere in a hurry. And, and really, no. that long tail motor I wasn't going to get you there much in a hurry. I'm not, anywhere, hurry I'm not in a hurry much anyways when I'm fishing, so. Yeah. Uh, it, was, uh, <laughs> it, was a, it was a pretty good deal. It was, uh, shoot, I fished plenty on just the trolling motor, you know. So what do you got, Briar? I was going to, you know, uh, say another thing. Uh, what uh, Captain Stewart there said, and he said, if you wanted to get good at fishing, take go ahead and put the time in. It, it, it takes time. Uh, you you got to learn, get out there and, and and figure it out, you know. And not just with fishing, with hunting, whether you're fishing, duck hunting, deer hunting, it takes it takes time out in the woods and on the water. Nothing is a better teacher than experience. I don't care how many YouTube videos you watch. <laughs> <laughs> and the only way to gain the experience is to get out in the woods, mm-hmm. get out on the water, and try. Yep. Uh, so, uh, in, until next week, this has been another awesome episode of the Under Pressure Outdoors podcast. We're going to come back again next week with another part to this series, which has thus far been... Uh, been quite fun mm-hmm. so and I, i'm looking forward to next week's episode and uh we'll see where it goes from there and you guys make sure that you are subscribing to the podcast come like and follow us on facebook you can follow us on instagram um and make sure you're giving us a five-star review because those reviews are helping us get pushed up further in the search to where more people can get access to this great information and uh, silver mirror lure. Yeah. Silver mirror lure. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a good night.